It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Uh, welcome to another episode of the Gap Down Backer Podcast. Uh, today we have a very special guest, kind of kind of one we've uh, hinted at prior episodes that we've been working to get on here, um, and it's finally kind of came fruition after some delays. Uh, we have legendary uh, Kentucky high school coach uh, Jim McKee with us today. Coach, how you doing? Well, I'm doing great. I'm really looking forward to being on. Appreciate you guys asking me and. Um, I love football, my, my family, and I love our family farm. So I already got my gear on, ready to go. So as soon as I hang up with you guys, I'm right in my truck, and we're trying to finish up stripping our tobacco crop. Now, you said you'd been at, what, uh, Scott County for, what, 20? No, I've been at Scott County High School 24 years. 24 years, yeah. Uh, next year will be my 25th. I was a head coach at, uh, I was the head coach at Oldham County High School. It's a great school system, Metro Louisville, Kentucky, for two years. I was an assistant coach for three at Montgomery County. So, you know, I'll be starting my 30th year of high school coaching next fall. Now, like, before we get into kind of what we're going to talk about today in terms of practice and all that, um, have you you run the wing tee the entire time you've been there? We have run the wing tee the entire time we've been here, yes. How how has that evolved for you guys over that um, 24-year period? Uh, well, when I became the head coach in 1995 at Oldham County High School, I hired a guy named Mike Jackson to be the offense coordinator. Uh, Mike is uh, now an assistant coach at Mail and was the head coach at Oldham County for a period of time after I left, was a head coach at a couple other schools, had a very successful career as a head coach, tr- tremendous football coach, one of the best ones I've ever worked with. We played college football together and we knew we wanted to coach together, probably maybe like you and Michael, you know, your friends and you've got these ideas and you think, well, now if you get a head coaching job, I'll come around the defense or, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so Mike had been at Henderson County and Henderson was running the wing tee and he was going to run the offense. And so that's what he said he wanted to put in. And, I, you know, I just said, okay, my focus was going to be the defense and I trusted Mike. And he's still, he's probably a better wing tee coach right now than I am. Uh, but, but so that's where it started and, and it's evolved and it's got to evolve right, right now for us a little bit. Uh, you know, we're a little stagnant on some stuff. Uh, we're, we're, we're not quite as effective doing some things right now over the last couple of years. So, I, you know, I'm spending a lot of time this winter looking at some ways to adjust what we're doing right now to make it a little bit better. Okay. Um, and people catch up with you. Oh, it, you know, it, it, I mean, if, if Michael's coaching school A and Nicholas is coaching school B and they're going to play repetitively, you know, you're not going to fool Michael three years in with the exact same plays that you fooled him with in year one. So yeah. it's, it's a wing T concept, wing T principles, wing T philosophy 
Uh, and some of that's got to change a little bit for us. That doesn't mean we're not going to run some wing team. Like, we haven't run jet in several years. Haven't run any jet. Okay, well, you know, we, we maybe need to go back and start running some jet and some of the compliments off jet and run less belly. Um, I mean, that, you hit the nail on the coffin. I, I think the one thing people refuse to do, and I think anyone's guilty of it, or, you know, we play a nine-league game together up at Fairborn. Um so, and I've coached in the league before that for like four years. And then I came to Fairborne and we all merged into one league. We left a certain league and joined. So we play each other nine, every year we play each other. So, you know, I, I remember last year, my first year being at DC, we played a flex bone and I evolved into something completely different, put together three different defenses and shut them down this year. And next year he'll probably have something even better. You know what I mean? The rebuttal for mine. And hey, it's just kind of one of those things where it's just, if you don't evolve, you're going to get like good, good coaches, man. They're just going to come up and you just got to be creative how you attack them. And, and I'm going to tell you this. Now, I'm not that familiar with the Dayton area just because I'm not, you know what I mean? Yeah. But Cincinnati football is really good. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've oh, played Elder. We've played Moeller. We've played LaSalle. Oh, they're insane. Um, we've played all three of those schools in home-and-home home series. You know, I, I, I'm familiar with Cincinnati Phoenix. I've been there and um, did some stuff with their staff at one time. And, and, and a story I like to tell, you know, in Kentucky, we're a little guilty of, of not doing a good enough job coaching in some aspects. Uh, and here's the example I'll give you. Oftentimes, we'll be playing a JV game, and you'll look down on the other end, and, and maybe maybe even our end, and you know you're basically just getting it all together. You know, getting making sure you got the right people on kickoff, making sure you got the right people on kickoff return. You know, just really kind of just want to present put a presentable product out there. We're at Elder playing the JV game a few years ago, and it was a late pickup deal where you know they had a, a date where they needed one and we needed one. And it's a great experience. I'm sure you all have either seen or been to the pit, one or the other. Mm -hmm. If you haven't, you got to go. And I would tell your listeners, you know, go to the pit. We played at the pit. It's <laughs> awesome. Um, but anyway, so we're down there warming up for the JV game at the pit. They're down on the other end with the book, the scout book that they had used the year before when we played them in varsity. And they've got a scout team running their wing key plays against their defense. And so, you know, Ohio, Cincinnati, Ohio football, mm -hmm. greater Cincinnati area is really good. Oh, yeah. It's extremely well coached. So when I got first got out of high school, I took a – the only year I've not coached uh, football. And uh, so there was a team, Moeller played kind of in the height of Moeller. Um, they played a team called Xenia, which is kind of like 15, 20 minutes around from where I live. So I said, you know, there's always an infatuation about Moeller in Ohio. So I, I, I drove down and watched Moeller. And how how well coached and organized it was, you could see, like, the first and 10, they had their base four, three in, second and long, nickel, third and long, their dime package. Everyone knew when to come off, you know what I mean? It was it was like a rehearsal, man. And then offense, they, they, would, they, would, they would go from 20 personnel to 11 personnel to 12 personnel, but, like, hurry up. And they, right. they, had, up, they had up held up number systems. And how fast they were moving is up-tempo and calling the plays in was, I just kind of knew, man. I mean, it, it probably helps that they have 14 to 20 coaches on staff and, 
He does help, but at the same time, you know, you got to take your situation, whether you're at Fairborn or you're where where we are, mm-hmm. wherever you are, and you got to find ways to maximize it every year. You know, people say, Coach, are you getting older? Maybe you're going to retire. Hell no, I'm not going to retire. Why am I, I going to retire? I love coaching. I'm better at it right now, I would hope, than I was when I was 41, better than when I was 31, okay? And so every year, you, you're, you know, no matter the results of your season, you're going to try to find ways to do things better and, and eliminate the excuses, which we're all guilty of doing. You know, we're all guilty of making the – you know, you can't control the talent level of the team you play. And sometimes you're just going to lose because the team is just better than you. You know, their players are too good compared to your players. But what you do control is the, the output – of the individual and the team that you're coaching on their scale of how good can they be. We're at max output. This is our ceiling. Our, our offense lined up correctly every snap, and we tried to get the right hat on the right person. Now, sometimes we got whipped and we got tackled. Same for our defense. Our defense is lined up correctly, whether, you know, like you said, it's second long, you want this certain package in. It's first down, they're in this formation, you want this look. You know, we did everything we can do to help our team be successful. Guys, that's coaching. Yeah, 100%. If, if you're only that, and if your only goal is to win the state championship, you know, if you're not at Lowell Trinity or Archbishop Hoven or whatever, you know, you're going to be disappointed a lot of years. I wasn't disappointed this year. I'm, I'm sad that we lost, but we were seven and one. We lost to a team that had two kids in the ESPN top 300. I mean, you know, they were more talented than we were. Mm-hmm. But but I, I, I'm still always going back and looking for ways. How can we maximize what we do? And when you all were talking about Wing T, that, that team and a couple others have caught up to us a little bit, and it's time to do something a little different. Correct. I, I love that. I, I, love, I, love, I love the five parts of that. I mean... At the end of the day, man, you got to put your kids in the best situation to win their one-on-one battle, you know? And after that, man, it's up to the Jimmy's and Joes of the world um, to battle it out. But, I, I mean, I, like I said, if, if I can get lined up right and then execute my assignment, I trust our technique is going to win every time. And if, if it's a technique, and at that point, man, if, if we're not putting our kids in a great situation, that's on us. If they're not executing, that's on us. But now we know what we need to go into the offseason. Okay, what drill do we need to do? Or what are some more effects? Do I need to change a step? Is it a flatter step? Is it not as flat a step? Is it, you know, maybe just a little bit of a tweak of what we do? So, but as long as, you know, that's the, that's probably the hardest part about the offseason. Well, you, know, you have to really focus in on very specific things that you want to improve. Mm-hmm. You know, or if not, you'll look around and it'll look great. And Michael will be coaching defense. You'll tackle 44 rings during practice. You'll jump over 86 billion bags. You'll do all these things that look great in these drills. And then it'll come time to line up. Your guys won't be lined up right. They won't be in good stances and they won't take good first steps. You know, you got to spend your time on A, can I get them lined up right? B, can I get them in a great stance? C, can I get them to take the exact first read step I want them to take? Well, let's get going, guys. All right, guys, here we go. My name's Jim McKee. I'm the head football coach at Scott County High School in Georgetown, Kentucky. We're a Class 5A school. Now, there's my email address. 
There's my cell phone number. There's our Twitter. Uh, I would really appreciate a follow on Twitter from anybody out there or a shout out uh, from this podcast and be more than happy to follow you guys back. Uh, today, Wednesday, December 29, 2020, about 9.30, I'm on the Gap Down Biker podcast. I really want to thank Nicholas and Michael for inviting me to do it. I uh, enjoyed talking with them a little bit prior to going live on this. And uh, Always exciting as a guy who's 51 years old, who's been in the business for a long time, to see younger coaches doing the things that, that these guys are doing. Special thanks. I think anytime you have an opportunity to talk about your program, don't forget the people that are helping you with your program. Coach McIntyre uh, has been here with us for 23 years. Coach Willard's been here since 2004. Coach Davis since 2013. Coach Travis and Coach Trent, uh, they both played here for us. Coach Travis graduated in 2002. Coach Trent graduated in 2000. They both teach and coach in our building. Uh, coach Hall is our freshman coach, teaches at our middle school. Our trainer, Coach Volpe, has been here for 21 years. He's outstanding and appreciate the work from Coach Fee. He teaches at our high school. So really appreciate our coaching staff, appreciate our school leadership team, uh, Dr. Hub, Mr. Wells, Coach Helton, Mrs. Williams, Mr. Clement, Mr. McIntyre, Mrs. Brather. Thank you guys for your support of Scott County football. It's important that uh, we have a good football team to you guys and important to our community and school, and we couldn't do it without you. And last and certainly not least, most thanks goes to our players our players and our parents for their dedication to Scott County football. Typical in-season week of practice is what I'm going to talk about. I'm not really going to talk much about Wayne T stuff. I'm not really going to talk much about the format of the practice. I'm just going to give you the layout and anybody is more than welcome to contact me at any time uh, via any of the, the ways I left on the intro slide for more specifics. Number one, especially do this during the off season, especially uh, I've been guilty of doing this when maybe we haven't been as successful as I've wanted to be that particular season, our staff has wanted us to be. And you see somebody who is, and so here goes Michael running over to Nicholas's school looking for the blueprint. Hey guys, the blueprints don't work. The blueprints are just a general idea. Every school has its own dynamics. Every school has a, a slightly different setup for weightlifting. Every school has a slightly different time schedule that you get in and out. Every school's coaching staff is slightly different. So don't think that you can just take this particular blueprint and go implement it. We're hungry, meaning us as a program, you guys as coaches, go look for help, but stay hungry in that, don't look for the, the complete meal that you can just go get from somebody else and eat it and everything's perfect, okay? Just go get the bits and pieces that you can get from that meal, but stay hungry. Uh, and that's what my personal approach to clinics and podcasts, et cetera, are, uh, is to try to pick up something small, one little thing that I can do to help our program. I already mentioned uh, that if questions exist about any detailed aspect of this, uh, contact me directly. All right, here we go. The game's over on Friday. What do you do? We can't have a Q&A, I don't guess, with Nicholas or Michael, but you know, if, I, if I were doing this live and I was making this presentation in front of a group of people, you know, right now I stop and say, okay, game's over. What do you do? 
This is what I'm gonna do. And this is what our staff's gonna do. We're gonna arrive at the field house or if a home game, either way, we're gonna get back to the building and this is what I wanna accomplish before I go home. I'm gonna work on the laundry. I'm gonna get two or three loads of the laundry done. I'm gonna do the film exchanges on huddle. I'm gonna share the film with the coaches and the kids. I'm gonna watch the film from start to finish and I'm gonna make my notes as a head coach. Now, I, I'm the offensive coordinator. For the most part, I let the defensive coordinator and the special teams coordinator do their thing. They are very respectful of me. They understand I'm the head coach. There, if there are a few little things I want to mention about defense, I do, or about special teams. But I make my notes for me. Now, all the coaches go home. I'm going to upload the stats on the state website, and I'm not even going to think about sleeping. I'm never even going to think about it. It's 2 in the morning, it's 3 in the morning, it's 5 in the morning. Doesn't matter. Uh, and I'm going to do that every Friday night after the game, win or lose. And the reason why is, for me, mentally, I want the game over with on Friday night. And when the next thing I do, I want to start getting ready for the next opponent. Now, Michael might be sitting there thinking, that guy's nuts. It might not work for him, okay? I mean, I got to go eat pizza after the game on Friday night and celebrate this and that. You know what? We won the state championship in 2013. We finished 15-0. and 0. I celebrated from then to whenever we started weightlifting back enough that, uh, you know, I, I got my celebrating done. And we've been to three other finals since I've been here, and uh, I want to get back to that. And I'll eat the pizzas during the offseason. Now, has that always been your schedule, Coach, on Fridays, or is that kind of morphed as years have gone on? Uh, a long time. Okay. I mean, I couldn't sit here and say has it been – it's been more than 10 and less than 20. Okay. You know, but, but pretty much, yes. Occasionally, I don't want to say that I've never gone to the local pizza joint after a game with friends, but that's been a long, long time ago. I'm, you know, everybody's at a different point in their lives. And so, you know, I'm 51 years old. I'm single. My children are 25, uh, 22, and 19. They all played for me. They're awesome kids, Clay, Colby, Cade. Uh, but but they're not playing for me now. They're either graduated from college, going to graduate, or in college. So I'm proud of them, but they've got their life to live. Uh, so I've got the time and the energy, and it really works good for me. Saturday, our coaches are off. In some cases, we play JV games. In some cases, we don't. We have sort of a gerrymandered JV schedule. We play some JV games on Saturday mornings. We play some JV games on Monday nights. If we do play a JV game, we have three coaches that coach that game. Myself, the offensive line coach, and the linebacker coach. I call all the plays. Somebody would say, well, coach, you know, I mean, it, look, I, I want to do it. I want to work with the quarterbacks that are coming up. I want to work with the young kids. Our, our other offensive coaches, I think if, if I go to them and say, here's your options, you can get back up on Saturday morning at 8 and be here to, to have the JV game against Fairborn, or you can rest and get ready for the week of practice. They're probably going to pick rest and get ready for the week of practice. Uh, otherwise, uh, if we don't have a JV game on Saturday morning, nobody associated with our program is required to come to the field house. The field house is closed. Our coaches do their work via huddle at their houses, et cetera. Now, a long time ago, we came in on Saturday morning. I quit doing that. I don't like it. Every, the, the players are tired. I don't like it. 
you know, we had issues with people occasionally would miss. We now work on Sunday, and it works a lot better for us. 9 a.m., the defensive staff comes in to break down the opponent. That's what works for the defensive staff. You know, they they could come to me next year and say, Coach, you know, we want to do our breakdowns at, uh, you know, 6 o'clock Sunday nights. I'd say fine, whatever. They come in and they have for years at 9 o'clock on Saturday morning to break down the opponent that we're going to play. At 1 o'clock, the defensive line and the linebackers varsity only watch the Friday night game film. So they know who's responsible for coming in. If Michael Derry's coaching our defensive line, I'm not going to micromanage him. You know, now if I walk in that film room and you don't have any great sheets and I think you're flying by the seat of your pants, I'm going to wait till the film session's over and I'm going to say, Derry, you know, you, you, you've been out all weekend wearing those crazy holiday shirts and you haven't been great in any film. Now get your butt in there and get your daggum film great. But our guys do it and our linebackers, they watch uh, in another film room. Then at two o'clock, we have a team lift. Offense, defense, I run it. Why do I run it? Because, you know, now we're, we were 6A for years. Uh, the school split here in 2019. So we went from having roughly 135 to 140 people in the program now to about 95. So when we were at our largest and when we were total to the platoon, I just got this little vibe that, you know, if the offense scored 35 points and the defense gave up 32, that the offensive people were like, oh, we got to play better defense. And if the defense gave up 10 and the offense could only score seven, uh, and I didn't like that. So that's when I installed that team lift on Tuesday after, or Sunday afternoon at 2 o'clock, and I run it all offense, defense, varsity only. And I get after them hard, as hard as I can for an hour in the weight room. Three o'clock, the defensive players go home. The offensive skill and O-line watch the game film from Friday night. Four o'clock, the offensive staff makes the game plan for the opponent. Our coaches make the grades and the notes. Uh, that way they'll be shown. I trust my coaches to do it. They take pride in it. So that's what Sunday is. So Friday night, I'm doing all those things I talked about on Friday night, all the way down to entering the stats on the state website. Sunday, Saturday, I'm gonna watch college football, sleep, go watch my sons play, whatever. Sunday, that. Monday, we play all our freshman games on Monday. Our freshman coaches handle everything related to that game. I attend if at all possible. Sometimes it's impossible. If we're playing an hour away, at six o'clock and we start practice at 345 and I can't get done with practice until 545. I can't get to the freshman game till 645. I'm not gonna go, but that's rare. We play some JV games on Monday, same set of JV coaches handle it and they're double headers. So we're gonna play Fairborn High School's freshman at six or JV at 745. A few kids might need to take part in varsity practice uh, and also play in the JV game, and they do do that, and they wear a helmet and a helmet only, and there's a designated time that they're released. What to do with JV kids after school on Mondays? We used to try to keep them and feed them, and it really pushed our staff in because I wanted everybody on the field. So I'd say eight to 10 years ago, we cut the JV kids loose on Monday after school, and we tell them what time to be back. 
and it's worked great. I was kind of, it's been a 100% non-issue. Uh, weight class on Monday is always power clean day. Sunday afternoons always bench and squat. Uh, weight class is always power clean. You know, we're fortunate at our school. I know our principal, Mrs. Williams, there's about a 1% chance she's ever going to listen to this podcast. <laughs> and I get it. There's a 1% chance I'm going to listen to her podcast about something about running high schools. Yeah. But if she were to listen to this podcast, I would just tell her, you're the best. You're awesome. Your support of our weight class means everything to our program. Now, be careful in coaching to say always, never, every. We don't have every football player in weightlifting class, but we have almost every football player in weightlifting class. You know, there's always a Nicholas Banstra who he's got to have band fourth. He's got to have AP such and such third, and he wants to co-op or whatever. You know, so if we've got 100 players, we might have five or less that have some type of little conflict. And also just our parents, you know, our parents support it. And if for whatever reason we're having any trouble getting a kid into class, you know, our parents make that call to the guidance counselor about, hey, Nick, we, we got, what do I got to do here? But I got to have Nicholas. It's got to either be in first or second hour weightlifting with coach. Yeah. How long have you guys had weightlifting class? Uh, not forever. When I was your age, I was kind of dumb. To, not, dumb's not the right word. Uh, I wasn't well informed about weightlifting class. Plus, I thought if you needed to work, stay at the field house 18 hours a day, that you just stayed 18 hours a day or whatever. You know, I didn't even, yeah, it never even entered my mind that there might be a more efficient way to do things. So then I started doing these kind of things like live clinics where you went in person and all these people start talking about weightlifting class. I was like, wait a minute. And so when I would go and make the first presentation, it's not organized and it gets nowhere and I get better and better at it. Uh, we've been doing it really the, the exact way we're doing it now is and as efficiently as we're doing it right now, probably about six years. Okay. We've had it in place, probably some form of it for maybe eight, eight or nine years. Okay. I wouldn't, I don't want to say I wouldn't. Here I am going by. It would be very unlikely for me to coach at another school without it. Yeah. Or if they came here to me tomorrow and said, we're doing away weightlifting class, I would really have to reevaluate. It's just invaluable. You know, we do it first and second period. Yeah. So our kids will work out first during the season. Wednesday is squat day. So I've got these goofy signs that I carry around that are like, Big squat Wednesday, and the kids are walking down, and I'm running in the parking lot with a sign. I'm going crazy. I'm taking them in there. I'm pause squatting them. I'm <laughs> making them do step ups. I'm making them do split squats. When I mean, I'm killing them. Y'all done it. You yeah. know what it's like. <clears throat> you can't walk. Your knees knock together. Well, they do that at nine o'clock. By four o'clock, that's you know they're 15 years old. That's a lot of recovery for them. And then we don't have to worry about lifting before practice. If you live before practice, the kid's going to hold back in the weight room because you know it's got practice. If you live after practice, the kid's already dead. We love it. To Monday. All right? So I gave you an overview of Monday right here, just the overview. Now, here is the more specifics. Monday, varsity video and on-field activities. Seven o'clock on Monday morning, the varsity DBs watch the video of the Friday night game. 
Now, if you remember on Sunday, every position group had watched it but the DBs. Now, you would say, well, why is that? Well, because the defensive coordinator is a DB coach. When he finishes the film breakdown on Sunday, he likes to go to his house and go get away from everybody and try to finalize what he wants to do for a defensive game plan. And that's when he likes to watch the video with the DBs. A lot of times, you know, eight out of 10 times, I wouldn't even go. I mean, he handles it all. If somebody doesn't show up, he takes care of it. So after school on Monday, every Monday immediately after school, we're gonna watch the special teams video from Friday night. Then we're right on the field for special teams practice. The coordinators got the script, all the coaches help. The main focus is ourself and the correction of our mistakes. There's no time limit here. Now that's something that's really changed for me as a coach. And, and I would be more than happy to share with you all, or, uh, you know, we could do a different podcast whenever or share with the, you know, anybody, but like none of our practice schedules have times on. There's never a 10 minute block. It's all, a, it's all a script. And so every single thing you're doing scripted. And then when you finish through the script, then, that, then that's when you know when you go to the next period. So, you know, he's going to have a script of what he wants to do on special teams. Everybody's going to help him, and it's going to take somewhere between 45 minutes and an hour. And the main focus is going to be Scott County High School's correction of their mistakes and execution of their game plan. Then we're going to split offense and defense. The defensive game plan is going to get installed. The defense does some tackling and some conditioning. Uh, and some formation recognition. The offensive player, the offense times plays. I'll have a huge script of plays. We time plays on air. Now, handling of two-way players. We have guys that go both ways. And, you know, I was talking, there was a school in our area that was hiring a new coach. And I was talking to one of their, one of their coaches a little bit about it. And it's a very large school and, and they've never done this. And I said, you know, why don't you all platoon well, I said, you know, you got 80 guys on your varsity, 50 on your freshman team, and you're out there teaching a guy who's a left guard who's barely good enough to be a left guard at the level you want him to, and you're also making him learn right defensive end, which he's never going to go play. So I think that there's a lot of resistance from a lot. You say, like, you know, I don't even know anything about Fairborn. You know, I have no idea how many players you have. I have no idea how big the school is exactly. You know, but you can't just say, no, we can't platoon. Nope, can't do it. I know players. Well, you're right, you can't. You're not going to. You're also going to be beat. So, you know, I mean, so there is a way that, that we still allow guys to know how to play on both sides of the ball. Uh, we went The last time we went to the finals in 2018, we played a big line and never play of the game, and we played a receiver DB ever play of the game. The other nine guys had no idea what they were doing on the other side of the ball. So uh, there is a way to handle it. Uh, and then the last thing I do before I go home on Monday, even if I go to the freshman game or go coach the JV game, I'm going to come in before I go home on Monday, and I'm going to draw the defensive team book via the script that the defensive coordinator has given me which I can give you a few little hints on, on how, I mean, I'm sure you guys might use huddle. I still use hand draw okay. and I'm, I'm going to hand draw next year. I want to do that. I like it. So he's, he's going to give me that script of Tuesday or Wednesday of 15 plays. And it'll be like, uh, you know, if we're getting ready to play Brian station, it'll be 
last year's game, play one. Last year's game, play six. Play two. Uh, uh, Tate's Creek game, play 31. And so I go through it, and I, you know, I just find all those plays, and I draw up that book. And so I know when I go home on Monday night, I'm ready for practice on Tuesday. Tuesday. Every Tuesday, 7.15 in the morning, we're going to watch a video of the opponent, our defensive coaches, and our defensive varsity players. It's not the JV guys. If Michael Berry's third string, D-tackle, sophomore, he's not coming in. They know who's coming in. Weight class on Tuesday is always an upper body day. Bench press, incline, push-ups, dumbbells, curls, pull-ups. After school, boom, immediately after school, we're going to watch the opponent's special teams. So there's a time and place to watch all the respective film that you need to watch for who you're going to play assigned into the week of practice. On-field practice, I'm not going to get into the exacts of how we practice on the field. Either. If I try to cover that and cover this, the <laughs> podcast is going to blow up and uh, nobody's going to be watching and your YouTube channel sunk because it'll take three hours. <laughs> uh, but on field practice, I'm happy to share the filmed aspects of practice. I am amazed at the number of people in Kentucky that don't film any aspect of practice. You know, and maybe you guys don't film practice, and right now you're sitting there thinking, oh, coach is telling me about you do it, you do it much practice. Uh, or maybe you do film a bunch of practice and you'll agree. But guys, the, the number one teaching tool in high school football is practice film. It's not game film. That's just my opinion, you know, because you know exactly what you're running in practice. Like we, we use a ladder to do uh, to film our offensive stuff. So I just shoot a guy up on the ladder and it's the concept of an end zone camera, but I mean, he's right there behind us. He's sitting there filming us. So the, the filmed aspects of practice on Tuesday, whatever they are, we're going to go immediately in after practice. We're going to watch it, grade it, and share it. So I, actually, our trainer, Coach Volpe, which he's 1% chance he ever listens to this theater, but he's awesome. <laughs> he played football. His son played for us. He is the trainer. That's his job. But he's one of those guys that he, he would really, in another life, he would have been a coach. You know, he would have said, forget yeah. training. I'm coaching football. And so, like, he's our film guy. He just grabs the camera up on the ladder. He knows how to load it. Boom. When we walk in, before, you know, before we can even get to the computers and sit down, it's all loaded in ODK. Uh, okay, Wednesday. Wednesday, 7-15, defense is going to watch the Tuesday practice take, and then they're going to watch more of the opponent. Weight class is squat day, big squat Wednesday. I mean, I'm always trying to come up with things to motivate. You know, I always, I see these people, they say, if I've got to coach your, uh, if I've got to coach your motivation, you know, I, I don't want to coach. Eh, whatever. I mean, I think you got to motivate. I mean, I don't expect every kid to just come in there and be like this. What can I do today, coach? How can I get better? I mean, that's not high school football. You know, you got guys who maybe don't even really want to be out there all the time. You know, their dad's making them play. So anyway, I have these big signs that I hold up for whatever we're going to do uh, on a respective day, try to get them fired up. 
After school, the offense reviews the practice tape from Tuesday immediately. Boom, we're on the field practicing. Again, I could share separately what we're gonna do in practice and in post-practice, we're gonna review grade and share. Now, the defensive coaches show the, 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 the Wednesday practice film immediately after practice on Wednesday. So you can say, well, how can they get it loaded and marked? Well, they can't really, they can to some degree. So like the trainer, the second he gets done filming, boom, they're in, they get it loaded, they get it marked. The, the second practice is over on Wednesday, the defensive coaches are in and they're sitting there waiting. But now they are kind of watching the film at the same time that the kids are watching it all for the first time. But that's what works for our defensive people and that's what they did. Thursday, seven o'clock, varsity pregame in game jerseys and shoulder pads. I was a real stickler this year and I was proud of myself as a, as a coach and proud as our coaches. You know, anytime you do something real early, what do you maybe have a tendency to let happen? Seven becomes what, Michael? 7.05. And then all of a sudden the next Thursday becomes 7.08. And you're like, let's go, Manstra, let's go. I did a really good job this year. Uh, which I don't know how you all handled it at your school. People said, oh, COVID says it. It didn't even really bother me because we got to have a season. If they said, the only thing you got to do different, you got to wear a mask, you got to stay spread out, and you can't, you know, we, like we stretched, kids had an assigned spot on the field. So out goes Derry, he knows where he is, he goes every day to this certain spot and takes a knee. And I was a real stickler for having them there at 7 o'clock to start this week, and it went great for this year. Uh, but we do our varsity pregame in game jerseys and shoulder pads. Post-practice, offense is gonna review the Wednesday practice tape. It'll already be set up prior to going out. So before I even go out on the field, I've got it queued up. And so when we walk in, the offensive line coach shows it. He simply walks over to the computer, clicks the computer, and he's ready to go. Uh, weight class is an upper body day on Thursday. And then after school, I'm gonna practice the JV with the three guys that go to the JV game. So we're going to do a combination of practice, video, and video review. Why? Well, hey, guys, if, if, if Nicholas Banster's son is a sophomore and Nicholas himself was a high school and maybe a college player, he works, uh, you know, at uh, the UPS store in Fairborn, Ohio, and, but he's got a son playing. He wants him to practice football. You know, he doesn't want him to just hold the dummy for the varsity the whole season. So we have found a way, this is how we have found a way to create a time where the JV team, not the freshman team, the JV team can practice by themselves without the varsity there Thursday after school. Then they also can review the film. It's like I'll laugh. Sometimes people will we'll play a JV game and they'll say, uh, can, you, uh, can you share that film with us? I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. But why didn't you film it? You know, because here, the kid's a sophomore. He's not your star running back on Friday night, but he wants to make a highlight film too. He might not want to put it on Twitter's bag because it's JD or whatever, but he wants to have it. I mean, you know, he wants to be able to show his parents. So film your freaking JD games uh, and show them to the kids. Now, do I grade the JD film to the same levels I grade the varsity? No. I don't give them a, a percentage grade. What I do is I just watch every play and I make some kind of comment. Very pitiful. 
terrible effort, lazing around, won't get it done, you're better than that. Or Banstra, great, perfect technique uh, on, on that block, great effort, good job. Then after that, on Thursday, I go to a middle school game. Now, Coach, for th your Thursdays, have you always been shoulder pads on Thursdays, or is that something you've changed over time? Yes, we've always been shoulder pads. Now, people cringe when they say this, but, like, we don't even have uh, – there's not a set of practice pants in this field house. Okay. We wear girls and shorts from day one to day whatever. And we never tackle to the ground, and we're, we're very physical. You know, somebody said, well, you can't – yeah, you can you know, our guys are really – that has changed and to the better. I, I can remember the kid's name was Cody McIntosh is our tight end, and we were just going live, 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 live. In about 2005 or six. we hadn't played very good. And he, he separated his shoulder in practice on Wednesday, couldn't play on Friday, and the guy that I had to put in at tight end wouldn't have started for – I mean, you know, he, so, yes, we, we go shoulder pads only. We go shoulder pads and girdles throughout the week. Okay. Anyway, Thursday, I'm always going to go to a middle school game. Do I always feel like going to a middle school game? No. Uh, but I'm going to go. I'm going to walk up down the sidelines. I'm going to tell the kids how awesome they are. I'm going to try to learn as many names as humanly possible that I can, can learn. Friday, late class. I'm going to let the varsity guys get their equipment ready. Uh, I'm going to let them clean it up. We have these little cleaners and towels, and they're expected to clean their cleats and their helmets. And, uh, you know, they get their pants ready. They get their belt ready. They have everything ready. I let them have a little bit of time on Fridays during weight class. Non-varsity guys, we're going to do power clean. Uh, this is a great opportunity for me to work with my non-varsity guys. After school on Friday, I all have a set of coaches that take the varsity. They finish cleaning up their equipment. They make sure the equipment's all right. They make sure the uniforms are right. They fix any helmets, buckles. You know, they just do all those things. Then they take them to the meal. Now, during that time period, which is basically 345 to 430 to 445, I'm going to put the JV guys in the weight room with me. Why? For one, it's absolutely for me the worst time of the week is from after school on Friday to kickoff. And, you know, I've already, we've already talked about what Fairborn's going to do five million times. We've been over six million. And so I don't want to sit around and talk. <laughs> you know, I'm going to take the JV guys in the weight room. We rocked it out. Oftentimes, I let them max. So I let them do like a five, four, three, two, one power clean. Then I'm sitting there in the weight room. I'll see the varsity guys start to head up. That means the locker room's empty down below, then I'll take the JV guys down, get them their stuff, we'll go to the meeting. Friday pregame meeting. We do a pregame meeting every Friday after the meal in the auditorium. The only time this changes is, if, obviously, we have a long away game. Like when we played at the pit at Elder, we did the pregame meeting in the bleachers at the pit. But, like, I like to give out the weekly awards. You know, the little helmet stickers, the big stick. Uh, I like to, it, part of our pregame meeting every week is I have everybody's attendance uh, printed for the week. And so if Michael Derry has, has only missed uh, two class periods or less, he's going to get two helmet stickers. If Banster has missed 10 class periods, then right in front of everybody, I'm all over Banster. I'm like, Banster, this is a freaking joke, man. What's going on? You've got to miss 10 class periods? It's ridiculous. 
So we have our weekly awards and our weekly review, and we lay out our plans for the coming week during that pregame meeting. Then, then we're going into warm-ups. I'm just going to ask and force you guys to answer, but do you consciously make an effort to involve the JD in your pregame warm-ups? Our, ours are, yes. Okay, great. That was something I would have never have thought at at your age. But now, like, you know, when we warm up uh, during pregame, you know, our JV has two designated times where they get to go out and run plays or run defense. And I just think it's important because mm-hmm. I don't want to say kids are different. They're not, kids are very similar uh, over my 30 years. Parents are a little different. And, you know, the thought process of going home and, and, and Michael Derry's dad saying, hey, suck it up. You can't quit. It's not an option. You started out. You're going to finish. The coaches might not be playing you as much as you think you want to play. You need to keep getting better. You need to keep working. That is maybe lessened a little. So I'm always looking at conscientious ways to involve everybody. Then we're going to play the game. Bam. That's one week. Now, we're going to do exactly the same thing the next week. At some point in time in there, we're going to have an open day, of which we're going to do virtually nothing. We're going to lift weights in class, and we might come in one day. Because that's, you know, what I just went over is a grind for kids. It's six days a week. It's early morning, three out of four mornings during the – it's early morning, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday – And so it's tough and it requires a big commitment. Two other things before I I wrap up and and cover cover this stuff. Personal pet peeves of mine, and not that anybody really is expected to listen to my personal pet peeve, but as football coaches, I always really want to encourage all football coaches. How irritated have, how many conversations have we had and we have griped about basketball or baseball coaches? Like we've griped about, well, they don't want them playing football. Uh, you know, they've got them in the gym all the time. Uh, but the baseball guys, they, you know, they're, I mean, I even see guys on Twitter, kids, they'll, they'll play football games on Friday night and travel out of state and play baseball all day on Saturday and Sunday. And, you know, I would just always encourage us as football coaches to in, in, never be the obstacle for a high school kid playing another sport. Just don't do it. Just find a way around it. You know, and, 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 you know, some people say that's up to the parents, you know, whether or not a kid plays another sport. Yes. What if the kid whose parents aren't really involved and don't really understand what's going on? I mean, I, I think as high school coaches, we have a responsibility. If you see something in somebody and you get the word that, that Michael Derry's thinking about not playing baseball, instead of sort of beating your chest out and saying, well, look, I guess we're football school now. Derry's not gave up baseball. Well, it's not about me, you know. I say go to Derry and say, hey, Derry, man, you're nuts. What are you doing? What do you mean you ain't playing baseball? You crazy? Uh, and then lastly, something that's really worked big for us, and uh, when I say it, a lot of people cringe, but, you know, we've given our kids a month of June off for about 12 years, and, man, it's good. Uh, you know, they're in that. Now, now, with COVID, everything's different. I know that. I mean, I... If there's anybody in the United States of America that wants to go back to school and go back to weightlifting class any more than me, I don't know who they are. I mean, I hope that that's what's going to happen on January 23rd or 4th, I think, whenever we're supposed to go back. Uh, but, you know, 
We lift those guys five days a week year round. We practice the heck out of them in July and August. We have found that when school gets out at the end of May, we just cut them loose. We do our youth camp and cut them loose, and we see them the Monday after our dead period in Kentucky uh, and give them a little break away from football. Uh, feel free to reach out to that email, that cell phone number. I'd really appreciate a follow uh, that Twitter account, and I'll follow you back and be glad to answer any questions you guys have. If not, we'll wrap it up and be done, and thank you very much. Yeah, I, you you mentioned June off there, so how – once you started giving June off, how did that affect your July? Did you did it add more days to your July? Did, how much did that? What's your so July? Here's what about? our July is. We're going to give them June off, and Kentucky has I don't know what Ohio's rules are exactly. Do you all have a dead some type of dead time or dead period? Not really. Not really. Not really. They, we were limited on the number of like days we could use of like camp related, and then uh, most people most people with common sense live three to four days a week during during the summer like well, what we what we do in kentucky um from june the 25th to july the 10th we're not allowed to see them and all the school facilities have to be closed so i you know i got to thinking and working in my mind there okay you know we're roughly going to get out of school and have our youth camp and all that we're roughly going to finish that june one and so June 1 to June 25th, we're looking at three, three and a half weeks where, you know, you're going to lift them, like you said, three to four days a week. They're going to be playing baseball. They're going to be playing basketball. They're going to be working. They're going to be on family trips. Or, so, you know, you're not going to have, I don't care if you're King High School one-on-one that, that's won 80 gazillion games in a row. I have a hard time believing you're going to have every single kid there every single day in June. So I, we just got to thinking, you know, we're, we're talking about nine lifts here, nine lifts. And, you know, versus, so we'll give them off. Now we start back the Monday after the dead period. And for the first full week, we're bringing them in. And, and it's funny because like when they get there the first day, it's like, hey, Nicholas, what's up, man? What's up? They hug you know, They haven't seen each other for about five weeks. And so it's kind of that little fall camp starts. Uh, but, but anyway, we're going to the whole full first week, they're coming in, in in age groups. Seniors at 9, juniors at 10, sophomores at 11. They're spending an hour on a, in a weight room with me and an hour on a track with the defensive coaches. So, you know, we're going to lift them and run them every day for a week to just try to get them reacclimated. And then into the second week, it's a combination week of three days of lift and run, two days of practice. Then the third week, it becomes more practice, and then eventually it becomes all practice. But I, I tell you what I have found, you know, the first thing that, that would go in somebody's mind, you'd think, ooh, man, what about the strength you're going to lose? You're not really. They're 16 years old. Now, when I get in there and lift, which I still do, you know, I, I, when I take off for extended periods of time, I lose it fast and it takes me longer to get it back. Usually by Labor Day is my goal that I have set in my mind that by Labor Day, I want to have every kid on the team doing what he could do when we left in June. Okay. And then my next question there is, you mentioned you're in the weight room. Is there anybody in the weight room with you at all during any of these periods? Sometimes, yes. Right now, it, our principal is a big helper. Um, right now I have an assistant coach in there with me first hour 
And I was supposed to have another assistant coach in there with me second hour. And she just came to me and said, with so many kids learning virtually versus so many in the classroom, there's just no way I can get Coach Monty down there right now. And I yeah. said, oh, okay, Miss Williams, I understand. But, yes, in a normal school year, I'm going to have an assistant coach with me in both classes. Okay. Mike, you got anything? Uh, I really I, – I really, and I think it's super important to uh, – understand and I think you got a good understanding of it is you know I, I one of my best players defensively he's a uh, friends g1 football player was a friends g1 baseball player and you know he always missed my, my first year coming uh, all, all these coaches got mad because he would miss a lot of Thursdays because he could travel baseball yep and I'm like I'm so happy because that kid's going out and competing I mean to me just if you're going out and you're competing that is more valuable than going through a two-hour workout or practice. Because you're going out, you're learning, you're competing, you're having fun. There's no burnout. And I think, you know, you, you talk about all these guys get mad that, and I'm a victim of it, people go to basketball games and they're like, oh, I just got not playing football. And then this guy comes, these guys come out to football and you're mad that they have an AAU tournament. But, like, sometimes we got to understand that, you know, maybe football isn't their sport, you know? Maybe football just is their second favorite sport, and it's more of a hobby for them, you know. So, but if if basketball is their sport, you got to kind of work with them, right? I mean, if they can help the school out, I mean, if they're, if they're out there making your school better by playing multiple sports, man, you got to be just as much of an advocate for them. You being okay as long as they're not lying and they're actually going to tournaments, man. I, I think that's important that everyone sees that you support that. I love that. You hit the nail on the head, the coffin, and that one. That was pretty good. Well, my uncle was a longtime coach and then became a, a school administrator. He finished his career in Georgia and uh, outside uh, Metro Atlanta. And he would ask me, he said, you know, what's a high school football coach's number one job? And I've, I've asked people this in, in my various different presentations, especially when there's a large group. You know, what's your – I'll start off the presentation. What's your number one job? And so, you know – you guys will raise your hand. Okay, my number one job is to win. Number one job is to develop character. Number one job is to get kids in college. Number one job is to, uh, you know, uh, run a, a sound program that emphasizes the right things, this and that. And all those are a part of, you know, of course you want to help build character and you want to have some kids go play at the next level. But, you know, my uncle would always say, your number one job as a high school coach is when the first Friday night that you have a game comes in August and the ball's kicked off, you better have the best football players in that school out there on that field. How you get them there is up to you. But you can't let that guy get away. Uh, you know, I, I give a kid, I love the kid a, a hard time. My middle son was a real good baseball player, and he, he now plays football at Austin P. and he just kind of got in his mind he wasn't going to play baseball. I thought it was a terrible idea. I said, Colby, this is the worst idea in history. You've got to play baseball. And uh, I probably made it worse. You know, if I would have probably shut up, he might have would have played. But he ends up not playing, and his real good buddy, a kid named Cam Hill, who's at Kentucky playing baseball right now, he ends up not playing football. So it, we lose in the state semifinals 46-45. Cam was the safety. And even when I see him today, I'm like, Cam, you know, 
You don't think you would have made one point difference? And we'd have been back in the state finals that year. We lose in the state baseball tournament three to two to McCracken County that same year. And I tell Colby, I said, Colby, you don't think you could in four at bats, you could have knocked one run in? You know you could. So, you know, when those things happen, and I guess this is maybe a inward, shouldn't say this because you're making it about yourself, but that makes me feel like a daggone failure, like as a coach. Like when a kid quits, that's a decent kid. I don't care how good he is. He's a decent kid. He seems to have, you know, helped your team a little bit and decides not to play. I feel like I failed that kid somewhat. So I think our number one job is we got to find a way come that first Friday night in August, we got all the best football players at Fairborn out there. Now, I'm not talking about the kid that's a complete troublemaker, disaster, runs your locker room. I'm just saying he's a decent kid. He's from a decent family. He's got a little football background. Get him out. Yeah, I agree 100%. Get him out. I agree 100%. Like, I mean, just get, I mean, that's part of our job. Like, I mean, I've interviewed for head coaching jobs before, and I mean, that's always the top. Like, how do you, like, and that's one thing I always bring up about is recruiting the building, um, getting numbers up, building relationships. Like, get, I mean, because let's be honest, a lot of these schools that struggle, they, they, they struggle because they don't get kids out, whether it be grades, whether it be their, I mean, wrong conversations, experiences. Fail. You know, you're, you're, yeah. you're going, it's like I told you about running the plays. You know, if all you do is just run the, you know, these same two plays, you you got to be willing to to fail. You got to be, and, and you know, you got to start building the rapport. I spent a lot of time early in my career trying to talk to Michael Derry because he was a good looking athlete playing basketball or baseball and he was a sophomore. And I'm trying to get him out of football. Well, he never played. And so if I did get him out, unless he was just a, unless it was a very unique situation, you know, I'm starting from ground zero. I'm saying, dude, pull out all those ear holes on your helmet when you put the helmet on. You know, they had no idea. So, you know, I went to where 95% of my emphasis is building rapport with them early in their career in middle school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And focusing on the kids that are playing football, not as much on the kids that aren't. Now, I, I will still go and uh, to middle school basketball games, always have, always will, and I'll stand there and talk to them and say, okay, who's that? Who's that? Well, now, that kid right there doesn't play. And I'll touch base with that kid's parents right then. And, you know, I might tell right away there's no way there or maybe there is. But my, I guess my saying 90% of my focus right now is on middle school age kids that already play football. Can't lose them. Can't lose them. Not losing them is more important than picking up others, in my opinion. Yeah. Now, last question for you before we go. You mentioned middle school there. What, do you guys have peewee football there? And, we do. And then how involved are you with that and talking, communicating? and? Uh, not not very. You know, it's not like I'm going to – when I first came here 24 years ago, I would go to the youth football board meetings. Uh, all three of my sons played in the youth football organization here, so I watched it all firsthand. Uh, Brian Hickey was a longtime president, did a great job. You know, Dr. Robert Warring. Did a tremendous job. Got him. Adam Crace is the president now. His son's a freshman offensive lineman for us. You know, Adam's an engineer. We've been really lucky that we have sharp guys in charge. 
And, uh, you know, I go to their little summer clinic every year and I talk with them and talk with their coaches and I'll continue to do that. Um, I don't know what's going on with youth football in your all's town, but I'm really happy here that we still have, we still have what you would call an intramural league, meaning like we've got junior and senior tackles. So we've got like the chiefs, the Cowboys, the Bengals, the Browns and the Steelers, and it's all inter-county. So everybody's going to play everybody twice and have a little tournament. Uh, unfortunately, and I would say some parents, when you talk to them, they'll tell you, well, it's fortunate. This is the way we need to be doing it. It's not the way I think they need to be doing it. But, you know, some surrounding counties here have gone to just one team per age group. So, like, they have a third-grade team, a fourth-grade team, and a fifth-grade team, and then they go play other counties, third, fourth, and fifth-grade teams. And football is a numbers game. And so who's going to succeed in middle school football? The older, bigger, stronger kid. And then, you know, the kid, he might dominate a seven. I, my oldest son absolutely dominated middle school football. He was older. He was bigger. He was stronger. He was faster. He had a high football IQ. All right. When he was a junior, all that gap narrowed down. And there were kids that he would dominate as A graders that were his equal or even his better as a junior, football's a numbers game. So one thing, I would get involved if I got word that they were dumping their, the little inter-county league and going to a travel team, then I would I would go down there and say, hey, guys, are we sure we want to do this? But uh, now, Adam Crace, if you're listening, you've done a great job. Keep it up. I'll be there in July to speak to the clinic. <laughs> well, Coach, I, I appreciate you coming on. And, I, I mean, this was very – Eye-opening is probably not the right word. It's very informative. Um, I, I, I always enjoy it. You know, the mornings. Yeah. And actually on Thursday, you know, and freeing up time. Because I, I, I think most kids would rather show up at 7 o'clock and leave a little practice, leave before 6 o'clock than come in at 7.30, but then really don't get out of here until 7 o'clock. You know, and by the time you get home in bed, it's 8 o'clock, so... I really like how you use mornings. How hard was it for you to sell the uh, weight class? Um, it, it was uh, it was hard because my presentation initially wasn't good. You know, I, I was younger. I thought I knew. You know, I got three sons, and one's twenty five. He knows everything. One's twenty two. He knows everything. One's nineteen. He's close to knowing everything. <laughs> and you know. I, I, I didn't go about it the right way. You know, I, I was of the mindset that, hey, you know, if you want to help football, you need to do this. I'm the football coach, do this. Well, looking back, I probably didn't approach it the right way. Once I approached it pretty well close to the right way, it was not a hard sale. Okay. And the biggest thing that happened is we had an assistant principal here who had a son that played football. And he was in eighth grade. And he, the assistant principal came to me and said, hey, I'd like to get my son involved in some conditioning. Of course, I'm sitting there thinking, you know, dude, we don't do eighth graders in the weight room. That's just not our style. We start hey, we start kids lifting in, in, in August of ninth grade, but I'm not going to tell the assistant principal no. And so I said, sure, absolutely. Have him there Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday next week, 7.15 a.m. Well, he did that about two weeks, and he came and he said, coach, is there no way we can do this during school? Because he's having to get up at 6.30, 6.15, get his kid breakfast, drive him to town, make sure he's, you know, work, his kid works out for 
an hour to an hour and 15 minutes. Kid's about to die. He's got to somehow slap his clothes on, get a shower, not get a shower, whatever, get up to class, and he's dead. And so I said, yeah, Joe, we can do it during school. I've been trying to get you all to do it for years. And he's like, well, let's go to work on it. So then I went to work on it with the support of someone in our administration, and it was pretty easy. All right. There you go. That's great, Coach. And like I said, I I thank you again for coming on. It was very informative. Uh, I I always enjoy learning how coaches schedule their weeks. Everybody does it a little differently. And like I said, if you can take some nuggets here and there from somebody, it's always – Always a great opportunity. Um, coaches, make sure you uh, follow Coach on Twitter if you have a Twitter. Uh, if you have any further questions for him, uh, his email and his uh, cell phone number are on the screen. If you're listening um, on the Anchor or Spotify apps, uh, they will be in the bio of the video. So you can uh, get a hold of Coach that way along with his Twitter bio will be in there as well. Um, we appreciate Coach coming on. We may have him try to get him back on in the future, maybe next spring, later this spring, see how all this, this COVID stuff and how our schedules work. Like hopefully us and him are both back in person. That's kind of the, the goal. Um, so that was another episode of the uh, Gap Down Backer podcast. <laughs>